You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Happy Father's Day. And I do want to say this. I think I do this every Father's Day, but you know we live in crazy times, and I do want to give a shout-out, and God bless you to all the single moms that are raising kids, and you got to do both roles. Amen. Give them a hand clap this morning. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. It's not easy, and uh, you know, it's weird to say Happy Father's Day to a woman, but you know, when you're in that situation, you know, we live in a society where we're raising families, fatherless families, and... Um, that's one of the hard th- situations that America's dealing with. You know, we're seeing the, just, you know, turn on the news, the evidence of what happens when the, when the nuclear family or the, you know, the, the core family unit is, is disrupted. So, again, happy Father's Day to all the men that stayed. Pastor Dan Stratton said something, stay with me for years. He said, teachers teach, fathers teach and stay. Remember that. Amen. So good, good deal that you're still around and, you, and you're there. Your kids need you more than ever, and I'm, I'm so blessed with my, our family, you know. I think part of our harvest is our grandkids also, you know. And yesterday we were all together out there at the lake, and it was hot, but it was great, amen, because we were with our family. So I tell everybody, you know, in this life you need two things. You need about three crazy friends and your family. Don't ever forget that. <laughs> You got your family, you're going to be all right. Uh, you know, I drill that into my kids, drill that into my grandkids. You know, the family unit is, is vital. So again, happy Father's Day to everyone, and let's, um, let's go right into it this morning. I'm, you know, we're, we're going to kind of shift directions, but we're not getting off the subject of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, it's not really a, a change of direction, but it is, you know, what I believe the Lord gave me. And again, I encourage you. I know summer, everybody's out and in and out, but um, if you can go back, you know, even if you've been traveling or missed service, you know, if you have time, download the podcast, which, by the way, I'm excited. Today, I got a notice in our email that our, our podcasts hit 5,000 downloads. Glory to God, right? I mean, it's, it's 5,000 is quite a bit. And, yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. Come on, you know, little church in heaven, Bill. You know, got... And also, I'm going to totally embarrass him. I want to thank Maurice Box for, yeah, he's going to duck now, because he's the one that runs that whole thing. Why don't you give him a big hand clap, amen? He runs all the podcasting and... I know he goes home and stays up late at night and edits and audio files. It's a lot involved. It's not just um, loaded up. So, again, thank you, Maurice, for doing that. But, you know, share the podcast. You know, again, if somebody says, I don't know how to even download it, um, just find any three-, four-year-old in your life and just give them the phone and say, I need a podcast, and they'll, they'll, make, you know, they'll, get, they'll get you there. But, you know, it's, it's a good way to share, share the word. Also, you know, there's people that don't understand our church or, you know, you know, it's a good way to, let me put it this way, it's a good way to introduce the Faithway culture to people that don't know the Faithway culture, right? Because all you got to do is copy, paste, <laughs> or not, you know, text, paste that little link and say, hey, you know, you want to know a little bit about what our church is about. And, you know, so there's a lot of, like I said, that's 5,000 downloads, and I think we're probably into our second or third year of podcasting, so there's a lot, a lot of messages out there. 
So I encourage everyone, Faithway family, those of you watching us online, help us reach. How about, how about let's set as a goal, how about 10,000 downloads before the end of the year? Wouldn't that be amazing, right? So, and again, that's not about us, but I'm so proud of this church because, you know, God called us to a small community. You know, you guys don't realize this, but before I started the church in Randall City, I was almost, I mean, I was like packed and ready to go to San Antonio. You know, I was kind of done with South Texas. That God must really love you guys because he said, nope, you stay, you know, and, and we did what we did. And, you know, it really is something quite of, a lot of people say that's impossible. Well, God is the God of the impossibles, amen, to have a church and a church. And when I mean church, and you guys think I'm just talking to you? No, it's part of the message. <laughs> you know, to have a church that maybe it's not, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, but they have a big heart and they're cha- making a difference and there's people that have food today in a country that probably most of you would never visit, hope you do, in the nation of Cuba. There's a church that can congregate this morning in Puebla, Mexico, because you guys stepped in and held the rent. We, we paid about a year for a closed building because it was such a great location, such a great building. We believe that was going to come. And, and of course, you know, things in Mexico are way different than here, but you, know, you guys kept that church open. So there are a lot of things that you guys don't realize that you're doing out there. So again, thank you, thank you for your generosity, thank you for being part of Faithway. But they're really, you know, Faithway is a miracle. You think about all the things that this church has done, and, and I have to think about it. Sometimes I get tunnel vision, you know, I get like, oh, let's get Sunday down, and you forget about the history, and you forget about, you know, the relationships that we have throughout the world, and Ukraine, and other nations, and, and it's amazing, right? Out of Hebronville, Texas, who would have ever thought? So praise God. So with that in mind, you know, I want to talk to you this morning, um, you know, the, the it's not really a shift off subject, but it is a shift where we need to go with it. And the, the, the title of this, this morning's message, and we'll be on this for a couple of weeks, I'm sure. We're not going to rush any of it. It's called The Holy Spirit and the Church. And it's vital, vital, vital that you understand that interaction. Because in today's society, as you know, a lot of people... I'm, I'm, I'm going to get way ahead of myself, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. I'm not going to back off on this one. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of people think, well, I, I got God in my heart. I got Jesus. I don't really need a church. I don't really need a pastor. You can figure all that out, but you're, you're in a big mistake, I can tell you that. Not because I, you know, it's not my opinion, it's the Bible's opinion. You know, Jesus um, started this thing, you know, he created this. Now, and I'm, gonna, I'm kind of introducing, and then we're going to see, we're going to see quite a bit of scripture this morning, so I want you to kind of zero in. But I want you to get understanding, because here's where, we're, this is the goal of, of this message. I'll tell you why we're going this. Some of you have really embraced that. You've gotten this. You've heard some of these. Some of you that are newer, some of you that are online, they say, well, it's kind of weird. I'm online. No, that doesn't matter. You know, you're the upper tier of the church. You're still, you know, if this faith weighs your church, then this is your church, right? And together we can do some amazing things. But, but the Holy Spirit, yes, he'll bless and he'll protect people outside of a church environment. That, that's not, I mean, God is everywhere. Amen? Wherever you are, you carry him. But the move of the Holy Spirit will be through and with the church. I mean, that's the way he did it. So I, you know, I know a lot of people that, you know, I've met them throughout the years. They say, well, I don't need a pastor. Jesus is my pastor. And like, you're, you're, you know, that's fine if you believe that, but that's contrary to the scripture. Amen? The scripture says he gave gifts unto men and it includes, but he created this. And, and, we, and we really got to understand because we've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, it was kind of a quick service last week, but it more, more than anything, it was a foundation for you to go out and dig some of it out. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the power of those gifts of the Holy Spirit will also interact at their highest level within a church. Amen? You know, you, you, you get around some guy that says, you know, I have a word from God for you, you know, wants to prophesy. And the first thing I want to go, I'm like, who's your pastor? 
Well, I'm between churches. Well, this is not, this is like I'm between jobs. Are you kidding me? You're not between churches. If you leave a church, hopefully you leave the right way. Say amen. That means you come to the pastor, we pray for you, we release you, and you know where you go. You go immediately to another church. There's no in-betweens. All right? So you think about these things. So let, let's, let's, let's dig into it this morning. And you can help me, Archie, just go with me. Let's go to the first one. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, as you look for that, and it'll be up on the screen for your convenience, but I do always encourage people to look it up themselves. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Well, some, of you, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and other Jeremiah's, or one of the prophets. And then he makes a little statement, and you could almost, there's like another message here that I'll, someday I'll, I'll prepare it. It's really good. You know, what did Jesus say, right? It's a good title. But he said, what do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You know, he's, he's asking him, you know, what, what, what have you, you know, realized at this point in your life in my relationship? Now, this is close to the end of his life. You know, we're gearing up to the final chapters of the life of Jesus as, as walking on earth, of course. You know, he's no final life of Jesus. But, you know, that's, where, that's the premise. John the Baptist has died. You know, he was, he was murdered. He was, you know, decapitated. And that's why they ask him. So, he, you know, so we're, we're, we're close to the end, you know, in, in Bible, Bible times here. And then he asks this question in verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And as you know, Christ is not his last name, you know, uh, that is not his last name. That is who he is. So Christ simply means the Messiah. And if you want an understanding, again, it's the anointed one and the anointing that he carries. In other words, the spirit of God, Luke chapter 4, is when Jesus of Nazareth becomes Jesus the Christ. And there's a huge difference because that's the empowerment. And the same empowerment that came on Christ through the Holy Spirit is the same empowerment that he's going to put on the church and every individual here this morning. Amen? Y'all... Talk to me now, okay? And then he says, so Peter has this great revelation, and Jesus answered him and said, blessed you are, Simon Barjona, that's, that's the name of Peter, you know, he's about to give him his name. He said, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven, and I also say unto ye that thou, Peter, you are Peter. In other words, you are a rock. He said, man, because you got a hold of this, that's going to make you solid as a rock. The fact that you understand that Jesus is not just some prophet out there, that Jesus is not just some guy walking in the street with revelation. No, this is, this is a man that's anointed by God. And, and that's the same revelation for you. If you get a revelation of what Christ means, your life goes a lot better. Amen? But, um, and then he says, upon this rock, and here's where we have to spend a moment. Because, again, this is just theology. You know, Don't get hung up on it. But, you know, different churches have addressed this different ways. And, and, of course, speaking to a primarily Catholic community, again, you know, we're not enemies of anybody. I know some people think, no, our enemy is the devil. We're not against the Catholic. And, you know, but the Catholic Church took this teaching and says, Peter is the rock. And, you know, not that it's, that it's good or bad, but I think they missed something because if you really try to pull the context out, he didn't really say, I'm going to build a rock on Peter he said, I'm going, to build, I'm going to build a church on that revelation. He said, Peter, you got this. This is awesome. You're solid. And, and upon this, I will build a church. That's what he said. Not upon Peter, upon the revelation. 
the revelation of who Jesus is. But I want you to focus because we understand, you understand something here. He says, and, and Jesus answered and said, Blessed thou art Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed to you. So if flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you, who revealed it to him? Y'all can talk back to me today. The Spirit, right? The Spirit of God. He had one of those aha moments when there was a download of the Holy Ghost, and he saw it. He was like, wow, I see it. And he goes on to say, I say unto you, our Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Against what? Come on, this is class today. Church. That's the subject, right? He says, I'm going to build a church on this revelation. And a church that is built on this revelation, the gates of hell cannot prevail against that church. And what I like about this is that the idea that it gives us is that the church is on the offense. Think about that. Most people are like, al diablo ni nombrarlo, right? Because they're scared of the devil. Well, you know, and, and you, know, don't, you know, I remember sometimes I would talk and I said, the devil's a loser. And people say, I don't know, you know maybe you shouldn't be talking that way because he's going to show up. Look, let me tell you, if he's tried to kill me so many times, I stopped counting. And he's failed every one of them. You can't be scared of the devil. If you want to be scared of the devil, it's because you're living in sin. And he's already got you, so don't, <laughs> no reason to be scared, all right? No, you know, we're not scared of him. He's a loser. He lost. And the church... The anointed, spirit-filled church of God was designed to attack, to confront the gates, to knock the, not, not hide under, you know, a, a church building, not hide under a Bible and say, okay, I'm just going to hide here and hope the devil doesn't realize I exist. No, the church was designed to be on the uh, offense of this. Amen? And, I, and, and these are, like I say, this kind of introduction, but you're going to have to grab some of these points because it's really, really, really important that you get this. Because I'm telling you, success, in, <laughs> I say, I'm almost going to say in almost, I'm going to say every area of your life is going to be built around some of this that we're going to deal with this morning. All right, so now with that in mind, you know, and in, in, in my notes, I kind of, you know, underline it in bold letters, says, I will build my church. Okay, now I want you to go to Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, like I said, we have a lot of scripture at the front end because I, I need to set a foundation for you this morning. And... Luke, Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and he's writing to one of his friends, Theophilus. And just, I, I just started verse 1 so we can keep the context. And he says, Theophilus, the lover of God, I write to you again, my dear friend, to give you further details about the life of our Lord Jesus and all the things that he did and taught. Just before he ascended into heaven, now pay attention to this next sentence. He says, Jesus left instructions through the Holy Spirit. You've got to read this a little slower because sometimes we run through these, we think it's just an introduction to a letter, but they're key phrases that we've got to pull out. So he says, through the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is telling, you know, Luke is talking to Theopolis, and, and he's telling him the story of what happened with Jesus. He's writing this, you know, this historical event. He's, like I said, he's the author of the book of Acts, and he's trying to, you know, write everything that he saw, everything he heard, everything that he understood, you know, as a historian would. But he says, you know, this is the key that I want you to pull out of here. He's saying everything that the Holy Spirit is going to do, he's going to do it through the church. Because at this point, he doesn't use the word church, but he's referring to the foundation, which is the apostles. If you don't have the apostles, you don't have a church. Are you still here this morning? All right, so um, Jesus left instructions through the Holy Spirit. And let me, I was studying it in, in different translations let me just real quickly here bring out my King James Bible. 
because the way the King James says it is a little, little bit, tiny bit different, but I think it brings the point home. So I want you to get a hold of this this morning. Y'all doing okay this morning? Y'all stay out real late or what? Huh? Huh? If you guys see me limping a little bit, it's because I found out how old I am. Because I went to play softball with dads. What did we call it, Ruby? Dads and bats or dads and brats or one of those. And my foot went out, but guess what? I did score. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Así como me ven. I scored. And I caught an out with no glove. So my fingers hurt, too. Because, you know, we're ghetto like that. We don't use gloves. And it's a fly ball, and I'm not going to make a fool out of myself. So I went, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, ouch. Here, have it back. Okay, I got out that way. So I said, why is he limping? Because I pulled my Achilles tendon I shouldn't have. But anyway, it was all good. That's what you do when you're a grandpa, all right? Y'all don't know that. Yeah, somebody asked me, what's going on with your hair? It's a grandpa, grandson thing y'all don't understand. It's like a dare. So if I show up with like an 80s mullet, y'all don't, don't judge me until you have your grandkids and you got a thing like that going, all right? Well, I really don't care what y'all think. I love y'all. I, I could care less, you know? Now we're off subject. You see, you guys got me all off subject now. All right. Acts chapter 1, verse 2, says, Jesus, before it's sent to heaven, Jesus left instructions through the Holy Spirit for the apostles. Now, that scripture out of the King James Bible reads this way, and I just want to pull it out real quickly. He says, until the day in which he was taken up after he had through, through the Holy Ghost. I like that because King James just brings the idea of through the Holy Ghost. You know, Passion Translation reads a lot easier for our modern English. But I like the idea that it's through the Holy Spirit. And the reason I bring this home, because we did, you know, we did, what, four, five, six weeks just on the subject of the Holy Spirit, and hopefully you have a foundation. You have to learn to interact with the Spirit of God every day of your life. Because your instructions, even life and death instructions, and we already talked about this, so I'm not going to waste any time, you know, there could be very important decisions, very important situations, or maybe you're going through a very difficult situation. Even as I'm preaching this morning, you say, Pastor, you don't even understand what we're dealing with right now at my house or my home or my finances or my health. Well, at the end of all that, there's one thing that you've got to realize. It's through the Holy Ghost. That is the voice. You know, we pray to the Father, and we have redemption through the Son, but the information is going to come through the Holy Spirit. It's going to, and, and, and you have to understand context because we're talking at a personal level, but we're also talking at a corporate level, meaning the church. Now, all right, let's go back to, to this. I just want to use it through the Holy Spirit. Remember that. And then in verse 3, after the suffering of the cross, Jesus appeared alive many times to the same apostles over a 40-day period, proving for them with many convincing signs he had been resurrected. During these encounters, he taught them the truths of God's kingdom. Verse 4, Jesus instructed them. Now watch what's happening now, because now this is the final instructions of, that Jesus gave to the church, or to, you know, to the apostles that were gathered. He, he starts by saying, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift I told you about, the gift that the Father has promised. And we know that that gift, is, he's referring to that endowment of the Holy Spirit. They have already received the Holy Spirit, because I read to you that last week. Jesus blew the Spirit on them, and, you know, we, we looked at that scripture. So this is, you know, like I said, you can't be saved without the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the endowment. And that's a gift. And as most of you know, a gift, you have to receive it. Amen? 
You have to receive it. You know, I can, I can give you anything, but if you don't receive it, then the gift has no purpose. It, it didn't fulfill its destiny, if I can put it this way. Now, verse 6, well, Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem. Verse 5 says, for John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Every time they were gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it now time for you to free Israel and to restore our kingdom? And you know, I think I've mentioned this a few times, that the disciples were convinced that Jesus was going to bring a revolution. I mean, a hands-on, real war, overthrow the Roman government. They thought that almost, they thought even past the end. I mean, when they saw him crucified, they figured, oh, the revolution's over. But then they saw him back alive again and said, well, maybe the revolution's back on. And even to the day of his ascension, they're still asking about this. Like, wait, wait, before you go, aren't we supposed to, like, overthrow the government? And he said, no, no, that's not, that. that's not the kind of overthrow the government I came to. And they, they finally realized this. Imagine three and a half years walking with Jesus, seeing signs, wonders, miracles, hearing amazing sermons, and now they're finally realizing that this is not an armed revolution. Amen? This is something great, greater and bigger because it's eternal. It's forever. It will continue even after all these people are dead physically. The, if you want to call it this, the revolution will continue. And we're part of that revolution. Amen? Now, let's, let's go back to the, to the last verse. So, seven, he says, the Father is the one who sets the fixed dates and the times of their fulfillment. You're not permitted to know the timing of all that has prepared by his own authority. But I promise you this. Now, pay attention. Now, I got in my bold letters here. It says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And you will be seized with power, and you will be my messengers of Jerusalem through Judea and the distant provinces, even to the remotest places on earth. Well, if you were a first century believer, there's no Hebronville exists yet, right? But this would be the remotest places of the earth if you were over there. Okay? And once again, you know, what, what do you pull out of that last sentence? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Not so you get the shakes, not so you walk around thinking you're all it, not so you're thinking you're very spiritual. There came a reason why the Holy Spirit was going to empower you. Remember this, God does, he never does anything that has no purpose. I have never found anything that God does just to say, hey, I'm just doing it because I'm bored. Everything has a reason, everything has a purpose. And when anything that has a purpose, if that purpose is misused, it will cause damage. And we've seen damage of so-called, and I'll say so-called because it can't be, so-called Holy Ghost places where people are getting hurt, people are, you know, or it's just crazy stuff that there really is nothing after that. You know, nothing wrong if we all just ran around the building this morning. That'd be great. But the, the, the key would be what happens after we finish running around. Are you better? Are you healed? Are you smarter? Are you stronger? Do you have more money in the bank? You know, there's a purpose to everything that God does. So here... He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be seized with power, but for one purpose. I mean, the main purpose is to take the message. To take the message. So when we're talking about, hey, you know, this is the, you know I want to interact with the Holy Spirit, he's, he's going to gift you, but there's going to be something that, that ignites in you, hopefully. That's the, that's the goal of God. And, you know, hopefully even as a pastor, that would be my goal in teaching any of this. And there's a fire, like Jeremiah says, that it's now quenched up in my bones and I don't even feel like doing some of this stuff sometimes, but the fire is greater than my feelings. And now you know that the Holy Ghost is flowing through your veins. You know, there's times when I sit back and look like, what are we doing? <laughs> what am I doing here? 
And there's been times, you know, that, but, but the Holy Spirit ignites something that, you know what, this is not about me anymore. It's, you know, yes, when I first walk into church, and let's just be honest, it is about us. Just be honest, say amen. I've rarely seen somebody walked in and had their whole life together. Even the people that thought they had their life together, they came in because there were some areas of their life that weren't together. We all came in for the, you know, it's not a selfish reason. That's why we came to God. I'm going to say, everyone, maybe you're that one exception that, oh, my life was great without God, and then I found God, and my life is greater now. No, most people, we went through some storms. And we went through some discouragements, and we went through some betrayals, and we went through some very low moments in our life. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And we came running to God because we needed something. And there's nothing wrong with that. But once we found that something, then the Holy Spirit ignites you to say, okay, now that you're here, now you got a fire that there's hurting people, there's broken people on every, every block of this community. And you guys, talking to those of Heavenville, you guys talking you know, to the ones online, in your neighborhood is the same thing. Your neighbors need Jesus. And I know, you know, that the devil's always like, well, yeah, just wait till you get your life together. Then, go. no, you start wherever you're at. Imagine if I started pastoring when my life was all together. There wouldn't be no church here. Because guess what? My life's still not all together. There, I set you free this morning. I'm still a work in progress. I need the Holy Spirit as much today, if not more, than I needed him when I got born again. Because the more you know God, the more you find out how much you don't know. That's one of those weird things about God. God's not like going to the university, you know. God's like, the more you educate yourself in God, the more you realize, I don't know anything about this. I've been doing this close to 30 years, and I realize how much I don't know. And then you dig, and you dig. And the Holy Spirit shows, and the Holy Spirit brings. And that's what I'm trying to get across to you, that it's vital that you understand this foundation. Now, let's keep going. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and while we read that. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 2. It's right next door. Verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, he was being, was being fulfilled all the disciples were gathered in one place. Now, what, what does that paint a picture of? It? Church, right? What are we doing this? If, if somebody drove by and said, I know this would be probably not Hebronville language, but they would say something like, look at all those people. They all, all are gathered in the same place. Right? So that that's gives us now an instance of what, and I'm going to break down this whole church thing. That's really where we're going with this because... A lot of people don't even understand what a church is. So he, he, this, that one line tells us the Holy Spirit's about to give them. You know, they all have the Holy Ghost. You already got that. This is the endowment that's coming now. The power to preach, the power for the miracles, the power for the signs and wonders, the power for you know, 11 ragtag you know, Jewish boys with no education are about to change the world. And that doesn't just happen, people. Because here's the thing. I'll tell you what the power of this is. If I, if I was to throw this out there, it says, can you, can you, you know, some of you, I know you're very smart, you could do it, but if I say, for the most part, most of us couldn't, probably I couldn't. If I said, just name, give me three names of the most powerful Roman Caesars that have existed in history. And even if you could come up with those names, then I'd ask you, well, what do they do? But tell me what, you know, you know, the biggest names in history that, that changed the history. Yeah, there's a few, and most of them are bad guys, right? Hitler. But you know what? Here's 11 uneducated Middle Eastern Jewish men that changed the world, and everyone knows who Jesus is. The Muslims know who Jesus is. The Buddhists know who Jesus is. You might not know who Nero, 
is. You might not know who Augustus is. You might not know who some of these, you know, history makers were. But everyone on the planet knows who Jesus is, even if they hate him. The atheists know who Jesus is. Are you still here? That doesn't just happen, people. Because back in this day, like it's today, there were tons of movements. You think this was the only movement? There were all kinds of crazy people. Some guy would gather up, and there were all these crazy cults, and and they would gather, and they'd say, I'm this and I'm that, and as soon as they killed the guy off, the, 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 the movement would die. Because there was nothing left. As soon as they killed that leader off, the movement would die. Well, not with this leader, because this leader wasn't killed. He was killed physically, but he came back, right? I think it's shifting. There we go. And so so think about this. You know, he said, they were gathered together. And at this point, it's not just the 11. There's a whole bunch of them. So, and then you know the story. I just, I just want to really pull that out of there, but I'll finish the context. Suddenly they heard the sound of violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them, and they were all filled. And I like this translation because it gives me the word that we've been talking about for weeks now. Equipped. Equipped. When you understand what the church is, when you understand what the Holy Spirit is, now you're equipped. You're equipped to tackle any challenge. You, I mean, fear will be removed out of your life. There's so many dynamics that happen when you understand both dynamics. There, you know, and I really want to build this idea of the church. So, they were filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and inspired to speak tongues and powered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. So, with those three scriptures, I kind of set the foundation for, to, to, to get you to understand something. The Holy Spirit moved within the context of the church. The words that Jesus told to Peter, that the, who, would, you know, who would prevail against the gates of hell? He didn't say you, Peter. He said the church. So now we have to understand, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit will move through and with his church. And, and it's, it's vital that you get this because you have to connect yourself to a body. Because, you know, you, I could tell you guys some stories of people that, that tell me, you know, that, oh, I don't need a church and I don't need a church. But their life doesn't reflect that they have a relationship with God. Yeah. You know, and another thing, it protects you. You go off there on weird doctrines or weird twisty little things that don't even line up. Because you need this. Amen? I know I'm preaching to the choir. You know, I said that once, Kathy, in church, years and years before you guys showed up. And somebody came up and says, I didn't know the church had a choir. I guess they wanted to join. I'm like, uh, it's just a saying. So if you're wondering if there's a choir, no, there's not a choir. All right. <laughs> I, should write, I should write one book of all the crazy stuff that has happened in ministry that then I'd have to move Real, really far. Okay, let's talk about this. So what is this thing, church? You know, what is this? You know, you know, and I said last week, you know, what is this? Well, the word church, let's break it down. Let's, go, let's get in, you know, everybody put on your student ears because you're going to learn something, but it's going to help you. It says the word church, first of all, is rendered in the New Testament, comes from the Greek word ecclesia. And the Greek, you know, the Greek ecclesia, gathering of those summoned. Now, let me, before, before we break all this down, because I know these are my notes and my notes are like that. They're weird. I understand them. You probably wouldn't, but that's okay. The ecclesia is the actual name. And the ecclesia, let me, I'm going to, go a little, I'm really going to explain to you that last, that second paragraph. 
The ecclesia wasn't something that the Jewish people came up with. It wasn't even something that the Roman government came up with. The ecclesia was something that the Greek government came up with. It's actually not a bad idea, and it has a lot of, it, a lot of details, but it, the ecclesia worked this way. It was really a, you know, some of the foundations of democracy are, are based around this. And, you know, the Greeks were known for being very wise, you know, and the philosophers. And I believe, well, no, I'm going to make a mistake, so I'm going to say, I, I was going to say it was Plato that was involved in this, but probably not. Maybe it was, maybe it was. But anyway, they said, okay, so let me bring it like if it was Heavenville, for example. So in your neighborhood, you know, let's say you guys are having, you know, in a certain block on, in Heberville, that whole block's having the same problems, let's say, for, for, with the sewer or sewage or something like that. I'm just pick one out of it. And you would gather that whole block. And they would all go together, and that's what was called the ecclesia. And you were summoned to go. In other words, it wasn't like, I don't feel like going. It was if you had a complaint that needed to be addressed, let's say, to the city government, everyone on the block that had the complaint had to go. And that was called an ecclesia. And there were two things that, that, that were really, you know, that, that, how can I put it? The ecclesia had to be made up of two foundations. Now, this is just the Greek. This is not spiritual. This is not Jewish. This was just a government form of government they had. There were two things. Everyone in the, in the, in the neighborhood had to be there. And they all had to be in agreement. Think about that. In other words, you would go to the courthouse and... One of the cool things they would do, they would set the people up, and I mean, there's different versions of this, I'm not sure which was the correct one, but something in this idea, and once everybody was there, they would put a, a rope around them, not, not tie them down, but to kind of gather them, or, or they had to go through rope, and it would mark them with a red tint, and that little thing says, it was basically, it's almost like when you go to vote, right, you get that, I voted, but this was something that people say, okay, because we, you know, we don't want that one guy stayed home and he's the one that wasn't in agreement, you know? You know like they do in Hebron. Everybody complains, but they never go to the meetings, right? <laughs> so they said, okay, everyone with a red mark, you were at the meeting. And that's really interesting because it all, you know, God does, is amazing how he does these little, these little types and shadows even within the Greek government, the type and shadow you can find of the blood of Jesus, but that's another another. So the ecclesia was basically this. The ecclesia would go. They were all in agreement that we need our sewers fixed, and the city council would listen to them, and they would say, is everybody in agreement? Yeah, we're all in agreement. There's not one person that doesn't agree. No, everyone, everyone agrees. And then the government would move, and that would avoid strife. That's pretty brilliant, right? Because you couldn't come back and say, well, I didn't agree. No, you were at the meeting, and you agreed. So that's really what the ecclesia was. It was a, it was a form, it, not a form of government, but it was something that the government used as a tool to manage communities. And that's really kind of you know, some of the roots of democracy, because in other words, everybody voted. They weren't really voting, but by being there, being there, being marked red, all this stuff, they said, this is our voice. And that's the word that Jesus used. Because when he said, upon the ecclesia, I will build my church, in the head of everybody that heard that, they per- understood perfectly what he was talking about. Because it was the Roman government adopted that. They said, hey, this is a pretty good deal. So the Roman government adopts the ecclesia, and all the Jews, they grew up under this, so if there was a complaint, they would still apply this. They would say, you get the ecclesia ready. Even now we're talking about the Roman government. So it went from the Greeks to the Romans. But then Jesus picks this. He says, the ecclesia. 
It w and immediately, you know, if you think about the ears, the, every disciple understood that that had two parts. That means we are all in, a, in one accord and we are, the second part, I didn't say it, and we are sent. We are sent. In other words, get the neighborhood ready. Y'all in agreement? All right, okay, let's go. Everybody say go. Say it like you mean it. Go. Because that was the two aspects of an ecclesia. You got an agreement, boom, and there you went. So what did Jesus, when Jesus was talking to his disciples upon him leaving, that's exactly what he said. He said, the ecclesia, you go to Jerusalem, you go to Samaria, and you go to the utmost parts of the world as an ecclesia. Now we made, you know, this is kind of modern thing, modern meaning you know, a few thousand years, not modern meaning 10 years. But the church, you know, the idea of a building, the idea of gathering, the idea of that, the Jewish had that within the temple. But it was a lot, you know, at this point in history, it was more tradition. You know, there were cultural Jewish, just like most of us were cultural Catholics or cultural Christians. In other words, yeah, we're like this because of our faith, but we don't really go to church, right? Now, don't raise your hand, but you know what I'm talking about. It was like, you know, you went to church Easter and Christmas and confirmations, and, but other than that, it's not like, it's not like a thing. Thank you for a few honest, mm -mm, mm, you know. I was the same way, you know, I grew up Baptist, and if you're not careful, you become a cultural Baptist. You just go to church because that's what you're supposed to do. There was no really nothing else. Once you left church, it was, you were out of church. That was the last thought you had about church till next Sunday. No, this was something else. This was a living, breathing, moving entity that wherever it went, it was the ecclesia. And the building was just a simple, a, a, a simply a place of fellowship and learning. That's, that's the model of the book of Acts. So, you know, you fast forward 2,000 years, now we got it kind of upside down because now everything is around the church. And if we're not careful, then we're just all program-driven, church-driven, come to church, come to church, come to church, 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 church. And people are like, okay, I'm in church, now what? No, this is just a place of learning and fellowship. Now, we need each other. How many know we need each other? We go through storms and how much, you know, think about some of the storms that you went in your life when you didn't have a church and think about some of the storms that you went through after you had a church. The ones with the church were a lot easier to get through. The storms didn't stop. But you navigated a lot better when you had this. Do you agree with that? When you had people praying for you, people calling and checking on you, hey, what's going on? That was, you know, so, so the, the body was expected to move. But, you know, we, we zeroed in on church as a building, and that is a grave mistake. Because, again, I'm trying to give you a little bit of history and all this so you understand where all this came from historically. So give me the ne next one, RJ, real quick. So church is the only, only in the English Bible. Think about the Spanish. Now, most of you understand Spanish, and, but for the, you know, for the sake of the people online, I'll, I'll, in, I'll you know, interpret a little bit. What is a church called in Spanish? Say it together. Iglesia. That sounds really close to Ecclesia. Right? So the Spanish, that we got it from the Latin, from the original translations, they, they got it right. We got the word Iglesia, which is a pair very close to the word Ecclesia. Ecclesia in Spanish, Iglesia. Ecclesia Greek, Iglesia Spanish. Almost exactly the same word. But when you translate it in English, we came up with a word called church. Well, the word church, and, I didn't, and again, I didn't want to spend a lot of time because you guys are like, we're not here to learn definitions. But the word church, you know, the Greek word kaleo, to call with a prefix out, the word means the called out one. So 
The English word church does not come from the word ecclesia, from the word kuriakon, which is a Greek word, which translated into the word church, which means building. And there's a reason for this. Because the people that translated the King James Bible, which was really the first English translation, they were doing it under the orders of the king. Pay attention now. So even though it's a wonderful translation, and I'll tell you one, if I just had to, if, if all of a sudden it says you, you can only pick one translation, I'd probably go to King James. Not because I'm, you know, I'm not the King James Bible only. But, you know, it is very rich, very powerful. But there are things that you've got to understand the context of the translation. Because they're, they're translating this under orders of a king that wants his Bible in English, not because he's holy, because he wants to get a divorce. The, I mean, King James doesn't deserve to be on any Bible. Let me tell you, he was not a good guy. But it was his version. He's the one that commanded it. And he was trying to get, and that's, the, that's when the, the Church of England, if you could say it this way, divorces itself from the Roman Church. And thus the Anglican Church is born, which most of you could care less. I get it, all right? So, but the word church came because at the same time, the translators didn't want everybody connected straight to God. Because if you're just connected straight to God, what happens to the king? He's not the king no more. So they made sure that the king was, it's always considered divine. You know, they were, people believe they were appointed by God. And they wanted to make sure that even with the translations, the people didn't go crazy and started worshiping God directly. So they created this. And they put a man called a priest. And you don't get to go to God unless you go to the priest. Are you here? Because if they didn't put those in there, there there's a chance that there would be you know, over a couple of generations, the idea that the king is, is divine would get washed off, and now you have a revolution. Amen? So, that, so the word church was never in there. It was always the word ecclesia. And, 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 and you know, if you don't get anything else out this morning, you've got to get this, because what we do every Sunday, we say, I go to church. No, you don't go to church. You are the church. Wherever you are, you are the church. You are the ecclesia. You are this body that's been anointed by God to knock down every barrier that Satan puts up. But you can't do it on your own. You, we need each other. You know? Even the people you can't stand this morning, you need them. I know how it is in heaven, man. Somebody will sit on this side. Not, not right now, not today, so don't be looking. But, the, but they can't stand the person that sits way over here. But praise God, you're still looking for God, both of you, right? The ne- yes, Amen. The next thing is y'all need to fix your stuff. That would, that, I'm not getting no claps from that one. That's all right. But the next step would be y'all need to fix this. Because the ecclesia has to have those two aspects. You have to be in one accord. That's what we find in Book of Acts chapter 2. They were in one accord and it wasn't a car. So you're like, uh, I'll get that later. They were in agreement. They were waiting for something to happen, but they were all in agreement. 120 of them. Remember there were 11 at the ascension? Now we have 120, just within a few days. And the, the 120 were already there. Don't, don't, don't think they just came. You know, Mary, you know, Jesus' mother, the 70 disciples that were walking with them. So the 120 was already the core. But I'm saying we see the 120 here, and that's when the Holy... So the one, imagine 120 people, you have to be in agreement. You can hardly get three people in agreement. You know, so, so it was vital that the Ecclesia, because one of the things the Ecclesia said, it was also for the greater good, you know, because even in, in the 
Greek context, the reason they wanted everybody to agree except on, on the fix was because, you know, there's always that one person that doesn't agree with it. And, and, that's, how, and that's how the Roman government, and that's how the Greek government ran. It said, unless everyone in that neighborhood is in agreement, don't even, don't even come to us. We're not even going to listen to your petition unless all the people affected are in agreement. Once you all get in agreement, then you summon the ecclesia, and then we'll make a judgment. What's the same thing with the church? You know, if the church could just get an agreement on what our calling is, man, our life would be way different. And, I, and I'm really proud of this church, by the way, because, you know, really, historically, in all the years we've had, we've never had a division. We never had a church split. You know, people have split, and that's fine, but we never had a church split. And some of those were splitted by H, not by me. In other words, he ran them off. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> well, there's a couple of those that we did. But um, my point of it is, Imagine the power upon even this group if we all were in agreement. And the reason we're doing things, the reason we can change history in Cuba, the reason we can do some of the stuff that we do is because we are in agreement. And when you look back and say, how in the world can a little church get so much stuff done? It's not that we're little or big. It's that we are in agreement on some of these things, and that agreement is blessed by God. Boom. You bring that into your marriage. Bring that into raising your family. You watch how things begin to shift. Those of you that are married, if you're not in agreement with your wife, things don't work. Or your husband. You have to come in agreement. There's power in it. And that that brings a bunch of other spiritual reference. When Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, what do you think he was talking about? He was talking about the ecclesia. When two or three are gathered, if two of you should touch upon something, meaning if two of you should agree upon something, it will be done unto you. All these are little references of what Jesus was referring to when he was this. So the correct word, remember that, is ecclesia. So when you hear the word, not that you want to go and delete all the word church in your Bible, but when you read your Bible, or when I say the church, or when you hear somebody talk about the church, you're in your head, you should go to the, to the definition. Not to, to oh yeah, the, you know, the building. The bu- this building could be used for so many other purposes. You know, if, this, if we lost this building, or we sold this building, or we, went, we could go in, in the backyard, and we would still be the church. Amen? One of the biggest services I had in Cuba on my first trip, on the way, way over there, we, man, we drove like 14 hours way up in the eastern mountains of Cuba, up close to Guantanamo, in that area of the island. And there was probably like four or 500 people, and they were all under a tree. Because the church building was about the size of the stage. And all these people showed up, and we just took it outside. And guess what? Under those big, big trees, we were the church. The building had nothing to do with who we were. And I know we're talking about the Holy Spirit, but you understand, you know, I really like this about the gifts. The Holy Spirit, remember, I've been drilling this one in all morning, will move within the context of the church. You want to see the power of the Holy Spirit? You make these decisions. And that's not about seeing everybody here every Sunday, which would be awesome and nice, you know. But the idea is that I am part of something. I belong to something greater than I am. And when that becomes something big in your life, guess what? A lot of the little nitpicking things that the devil tries to plant, oh, you know, this and the church and pastor and, you know, Lauro didn't shake your hand and all these little nitpicking things that the devil's trying to use to separate people from from this body and he has effectively for some people are stupid. Sorry for that word, but there's no other word. It's stupid. (laughs) Because you you didn't realize that the devil just divorced you from the source of your power. And you're walking around, they're like, well, I'm a Christian, I don't need a church. And all of a sudden, honey, you do need a church. And that wasn't Pastor Box's idea, that was the Holy Ghost's idea. Because every one of you has something I don't have, 
And every one of you has something that I need. And vice versa. I have stuff that you don't have. And and my family has stuff that you need. Amen? And together, we draw. We pull. And we pull. I pull from their gift. I pull from this. And I expect you to pull from my gift, right? To say, okay, you know, I need this. And that really becomes a foundation. Now, let's, let's kind of try to get to a point where I can... I'm, I'm going to try to believe God that we're going to get out of here a little bit early because, as you know, I do have another service, but I do want to hang out with you guys for the Father's Day meal, so we're going to have to squeeze everything here. So, in summary, the New Testament... Well, let me read my, my last note. So, the, the last part of this is, in summary, the New Testament church is a body of believers who have been called out from the world to God to live as a people under the authority of Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21 to 23. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. Let that sink in. He's talking about Jesus' authority. What is Jesus over? Everything. Say everything. Everything. That's why I tell people, don't get too worked up about if the government does or the government doesn't and what's going on and the president. And, And I'm the first one that gets worked up because I can't stand what's going on in America. But again, I'm not, you're not here to hear my opinions. But at the end of the day, guess what? It doesn't really matter that much. It doesn't matter that much. Because if you are a believer, if you're a man or a woman of God, your government's called the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? That's what it is. And, you know, right now we're having unprecedented inflation on this nation. Y'all remember last year how cheap gas was? Some of you, yeah, I know. I filled up... The truck the other day was, I'll, tell, I'll give you that, it was really, really low. And it does have a 50-gallon tank. Thanks, John. And I just stopped it at 115. <laughs> Yesterday, I was like, doo, 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 doo. the truck was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't own a semi, thank God. <laughs> you know, there's uncertain, uncertainty right now. I mean, look at the world. I mean, you guys, you should follow the news. Don't, don't get obsessed with the news, but follow. Don't become that person. I don't know what's going on. We had this big meeting, you know, international meeting, and, you know, God bless his soul, but our current president made us look like a fool. That's all. You know, if you look it back, I'm just saying it. The guy couldn't handle Putin. You know, that's a whole different level. Why are you saying this, Pastor Box? Because it doesn't matter. Because even if gas goes to $10 a gallon... You're going to have to decide what kingdom you're connected to. Because if you're connected to the kingdom of God, you're still going to drive how you drive. And God's just going to have to give you way more money because the kingdom of God is not subject to that system. That was really the only point I was making. The ecclesia was not subject. The ecclesia was not subject to the Roman rule. The ecclesia was not subject to the Sanhedrin. The ecclesia was not subject to, to, to the Jewish, the Pharisees, and everybody else that was trying to destroy their movement. And every time you turned around, they would throw them in prison. And every time they threw them out of prison, the church would grow. You want to see something that I'm believing God for? Someday, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm not going to stop believing. Peter is one of Peter's first sermons. 3,000 people got converted. Imagine if 3,000 people came, showed up next Sunday. We would all run for the hills. Oh, wait, there's no hills. But we would run somewhere <laughs> in El Monte, you know. That's a power that they had. You got, you know, 120 ragtag bunch of people, but in a couple of days the church has gone from 120 to over 3,000 people. 
Church, come on, open your eyes. This is what we're talking about, the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit, those meetings, that, you know, one of my heroes in faith, he's in heaven, Reinhard Bonnke, I talk about him a lot. Those, those meetings where he had 1.5 million people in a meeting. I mean, as far as that, you could see, which is like waves of people. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you study Reinhard's writings, he gives credit, the whole, his whole ministry, he gives credit to the Holy Ghost. He says, if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, this doesn't work. So, you know, I want you to understand the Holy Spirit is something that you have, but it's also the context of where it's to apply. So, in Ephesians, he says, he is exalted over everything, not only in this age, referring to when they were writing it, but every age. Verse 22, and alone, and he alone is the leader and source of everything. Pay attention now, because it's coming up again. Referring to Jesus, he alone is the leader and the source of everything needed in where? The church. The ecclesia. He's the source of everything you need. But it's still within the context of an ecclesia. Will God supply all your needs according to his riches? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. But if you're out there on your own, it's going to be so much harder. You know, you can be a Christian, you can read your Bible and say, I don't want to be part of a church because, you know, they offended me, they didn't shake my hand, Pastor Box preaches too long or whatever. But you're hurting yourself. There is nothing more powerful that you can do during your week than invest some time with the Ecclesia. You guys don't understand the, if I can call it the ripple effect that happens by you gathering here this morning. There's a ripple effect. You're believing God for a job, you came to church, now you got a job. Your marriage was difficult, complicated. You started hanging out in the Ecclesia and your marriage got better. That's the ripple effect. You know, like, well, i got to go to church. Oh, yeah. No, there's a ripple effect. And if you don't see that ripple effect, you need, you, we need to find out what's going on because there is a ripple. I wouldn't be doing this. I promise you, if all we did was just gather and give you a little teaching and hang on till next Sunday, I wouldn't be, are you kidding me? I'd be doing something else. No, there's a ripple effect. Because you are here, because you're within the ecclesia, the Holy Spirit is empowering all of us to go live our individual lives. Now do you see it? But the empowerment is upon the corporate. Now you'll leave this building in a little bit and you'll go do whatever you do all week. But guess what? You've received the empowerment. Just like they received the empowerment. Amen? So he says, everything needed in the church. In other words, in you. Everything you need. Not just what, not, not. That's why I say the word church has to be translated to ecclesia because ecclesia immediately in your brain it should register a group of people, not a building. Because, you know, if we read it in the old, just with a basic definition, we'll say, okay, well, what do we need? Well, we need to pay the electric bill, and we need to pay our water bill, and we need to replace the carpet, and we could go down a list of a lot of really insignificant things, and people would just leave it there. Well, yeah, God takes care of the church. No, he takes care of the ecclesia, and that's you. Remember the two factors, though. Are we in agreement? You know, we don't have to, that's why I say I, I try to be very easy with my opinions, and I have a lot of them. But my opinions don't mean nothing. We have to be agreement with the word. You don't have to agree with my opinions, by the way. I respect whatever stance you take. I do totally respect it. I might not agree with it, but I respect it. But we have to agree on something. We have to agree that Jesus is Lord. That we have to agree, all of us. And not only he's Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord over this ecclesia. This is not my agenda. You know, you think, you know, my, my, really my belief is, and my, one of my prayers is that 
You know, if someday, someday God moves me to do something else, or if someday God, you know, whenever I go to heaven, you know, when I'm 120 and I've, you know, believed God for all these things that we believe God, that this will continue. That would, that would be significant. Because a lot of churches in America, as soon as the pastor's gone, the church crumbles. And that's sad because the ecclesia, a body like this, should never be wrapped around a preacher. And I really like this. I mean, Hebronville, you guys don't know how much I am. And I don't say that to make you, to pump you up, but I'm really proud of how this works because I tell, I tell Monica, you know, you guys do so much stuff without our involvement. And to me, it's like the machine is working. And that machine is called the Ecclesia. Everyone's starting to find their spot. Everyone's trying to find what part of the machine they are. What part of this amazing thing? I know the machine is a, you know, kind of a cold word, but it is. Imagine a car. A car doesn't just need gas. It needs a lot of stuff. It doesn't just need a steering wheel. It needs tires. And every part of that car, even down to the last little tiny, you know, just wait till that little sensor goes out. You're going to find out how much you need it. Right? Now, Jesus used, well, Paul used the illustration of the body. I'm, I'm, I'm being, you know, using analogy of a car, but it's the same thing. Jesus used the body. He said, you got hands, you got feet, you got toes, you got legs. All of them have to work together. And he was referring, and that's a perfect example of the Ecclesia. And, he, and I, you know, he kind of does say, ironically, he says, you know, if your hand doesn't want to... Imagine if your hand just woke up tomorrow and said, I'm not doing this. I'm done with all y'all. I mean, that's so... I mean, it's, it's kind of silly and dumb, but the, the analogy is perfect because that's what happens in the body of Christ. You know how much... You know what happens if just one usher doesn't show up? Without, without telling somebody? It, the ripple effect of that goes through the whole leadership program because somebody's like, now we've got to move people, we've got to adjust people. Imagine if the preacher didn't show up. That would be an uncomfortable moment. That, that Sunday that, you know, the devil made me sick or I ate something I shouldn't have. And I texted H late and apparently he was late and Kathy's over here all stressed out because he's not here, I'm not here. We'll just sing to Jesus till somebody shows up. <laughs> Was that uncomfortable a little bit, right? It was like, whoa, what is it? Because if one body, it doesn't matter if it's the guy down the, up here or if it's the person. You know, you know, what if Diana and her team, and I'm referring to Diana Savero, decided, you know, we're done. We're not, we're not going to do it this week. This thing would be a mess because, you, man, you, you don't know how much sheep droppings sheep drop. <laughs> you got to be careful with the sheep, sheep. Everyone is needed. Everyone's part of a moving, living entity. Has nothing to do with the sign outside. Has nothing to do with the walls. Has nothing to do with the programs. Has nothing to do with anything. It has to do with, are we the Ecclesia? Because the Holy Spirit needs this to do some amazing things in your life. He needs you connected. And I'm going to tell you, everyone in this building, if you're not serving in some form, pray to God and ask God to put me to work, Lord. And at the very least, if you're not within the, the running of the building, at least every day you know you're on a commission to share Jesus to somebody. If you don't, you know, I get it. You know, some people don't have time. But you are still the ecclesia. So I don't want to say, well, just sign up to be an usher. So no, no, that's not, not, that's not the scope of this. This is, are you the church anointed of the Holy Spirit between Monday and Saturday? That's all I'm saying. Because that's really where all this that we're doing gets to be applied. When you begin to shine your light, and you'll have so many opportunities, little conversations, little tiny things, little run-ins with people, standing in, in Walmart, standing in a line, you know, just, just being a blessing to somebody. You're the church. 
And, and, and then you got to realize, you know, you're going through some storms in your life, but those are the seeds that bring the power to shut the storms down. And when people are, are just in continual storm mode, as a pastor, I have to look back and say, wait a minute, why are those people? Because, you know, there's people like that. They come to church, but it seems like nothing gets resolved in their life. I'm not speaking to anybody specifically. You guys, from my perspective, you see this. You're like, man, you know, this person walked in the church two weeks ago, and boy, their life is starting to shift. And, things, and then you see this, man, this person's been in church 10 years, and they're just bumping through the whole thing. Well, let me tell you, God's not your problem. That reduces a lot, right? Pastor Box is not your problem. Your wife's not your problem. Your husband's not your problem. Your kids aren't your problem. La suegra, el tío, compadre, none of them. You are the problem. And the problem is you need to embrace what God called you to do. Because that blessing is on the ecclesia. Not on individuals. It's on the ecclesia. I'm, I'm going to show you scripture on scripture. Uh, you know, we're almost done, but I want to give you a couple more scriptures. So he says, not only in this age... And uh, he alone is the leader and source everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ, has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, say it with me. No, the next one. Oh, Lord Jesus. I need one of those sticky things. We're going to get through this. The people, you know what the people online are doing right now? They're putting the emoji. Y'all go ahead and put it. That's fine in the comments. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> but this is so good. And now we say it. His church. Say it again. His church. His ecclesia. Not mine. Not yours. Not Faithway. It's not Pastor Box's church. His body on earth. And that which fills him who is being filled by it. Now, if you guys have another hour, I'll preach just that one scripture. (laughs) Because not only is he filling us, but by us accepting that, we give him joy. And we fill his life. Think about that. That's exactly what it says. It is, it is, God is pouring himself over an ecclesia. The ecclesia becomes him. You know, Jesus manifested on the earth. And by doing that, you bring joy back to the Father. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. All right, give me the next one, RJ. We're almost done. So who is this for? I'm going to stop with this one, and we'll pick it up next week. But who is this thing for? Well, 1 John 3, 8 says, The person who lives in a sinful life belongs to the devil because the devil has been committing since the beginning. The reason, everybody say reason, that the Son of God appeared was to destroy what the devil does. That's all we're doing, people. That's our only commission. The devil is messing people up. The devil is messing people's heads, messing people's morality, destroying them with sickness and disease, you know, putting chains down with poverty and lack and distress and depression. That's who the church is. We're not here just to have a whole bunch of programs. And what else are we going to think of? No, the programs are beautiful, but the reason we do VBS is because of this. There's not, you know, I mean, come on, let's be honest. How many of you have nothing better to do than lock yourself up for three days with a bunch of screaming kids that don't even belong to you? <laughs> I can't even stand some of mine, you know? No, nobody does that. But the Ecclesia does, because the Ecclesia gets it. This is not, I mean, that last day we had VBS, that thing was sold out. 
That's my only complaint. Yeah, I used to make fun of old people. I said, if you're too old, it's too loud. Now I'm that guy. I realized I'm like, I'm that guy. I used to have on one of my guitar cases, I had a sticker that says, if it's too loud, you're too old. I'm going to have to take that sticker off. I'm done. Give me the last one. I think there's one more, right, Archie? Is that it? Okay, let's, let's just, we'll stop here for sure. You said that on the last one. Yeah, but this one's so good. But when Jesus overheard their complaint, not that Christians complain, he said to them, who goes to the doctor for a cure? Those who are well or those who are sick? That's a pretty simple answer. You don't go to the doctor unless you're sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinners and bring them to repentance. Jesus came for the broken. Jesus came for the sick. And this church, I pray to God, will never become a religious entity where we look down on anybody or somebody walks in and they don't smell right or they don't look right or they're not dressed right. This faith wave, something my wife and I have tried to do from day one was make sure that everybody was welcome here. Because the ecclesia is this. That's our purpose. We are here to destroy everything Satan has done to this planet and we are here to bring all those people that were destroyed by Satan on this planet. This church is not for everybody, but there's a lot of people it is for. And I really encourage you this week. We're going we're to do one more week of this, and then we'll see where the Lord takes us. But I want to encourage you. This very week, you find those opportunities to be the ecclesia. Nowadays, with our technology, even a text message, God will say, you text that person, let them know you're thinking about them. That person might be going through a, through a very lonely moment in their life where people have just left them, where people have just abandoned them. And that little text say, hey, I'm thinking about you, praying for you. That could change their whole life. They could be somebody on the verge of suicide, and they get that little text that could save their life. Are you listening to me? The whole, when, you, when you begin to move with this, get ready for the supernatural. I'm talking, get ready for, you'll be minding your own business, and you'll get that download, Joe. You know what I'm talking about. Call that person. You're like, I haven't heard that person in 10 years. It doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit's now moving. But you understood what the ecclesia was. You said, I'm here, Lord. I'm ready to go. What do you want me to do, sir? I'm here. Under command, let's do it. You, you walk with that attitude, boy, you guys are going to walk into some supernatural stuff. And God never keeps anything for him. He'll tell you to buy the lunch of some random person you've never met, and before you know it, somebody t- is buying your lunch, because that's how it works. Not that you do it for that, but the Holy Spirit is using us to shine a little bit of light out there. Amen? Stand to your feet. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. And we thank you for the glory. Well, his presence is here at church. Very first thing, watching me online, in the building, in the house. If you're here, you've never given your life to Jesus, or maybe you have given it, but you feel like you've walked away or kind of separated yourself a little bit, pray this prayer with me. Reconnect to him. He is the head of the ecclesia. He is the head of a church. But the very first step is you give your life to him. The second step is you take hold that you are part of this ecclesia. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I want to be used by you for your glory. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I accept you as the head of the Ecclesia. Go ahead and say that. Today, I am born again. I am saved. Amen. Now, this prayer is my prayer for you or for all of us. But I do want to pray for things because we're going to draw right now Listen to me, church. We're going to draw 
from what he said would happen, not what I said. If you're here in this building and you're sick, you're dealing with storms at your, in your house, you're dealing with strife, you're dealing with anxiety, depression, I could go through a list of things, sickness and disease, financial troubles. I want you to draw on the gift that was poured on the Ecclesia. So I'm going to pray for you right there where you are. That we're going to believe that the corporate anointing is going to get on you. We are in agreement with Monique and I are in agreement. The leadership of this church is in agreement with you. So you already have somebody that's in agreement with you right now. There's not a storm in this building. There's not a situation in this house. There's not a situation for our online church that you guys are dealing with that this you cannot draw from this corporate anointing. So Father, I pray once again for all these amazing people that we have in the house today. People that have took on the badge of the Ecclesia and that we get it. But I pray, Father, for those right now that are dealing with any kind of storm, if it's financial, if it's physical, if it's emotional, if it's mental, whatever the name has, you said, Lord, that every knee would bow at the name of Jesus. So cancer has to bow. Depression has to bow. Poverty has to bow. Strife in our homes has to bow. There is nothing out there that doesn't bow at the name of Jesus. So, Father, right now, I'm asking on drawing from this corporate anointing, drawing from this message that I gave to them today. We draw from that. And I command chains to come off now in Jesus' name. Healing, blessing, prosperity, peace in your home, peace with yourself, peace within yourself. Oh, here's a good one. Holy Ghost decision. Somebody in this room, or maybe online, you're all, you're all at a place in life where this is all really based on a major decision. Get in the Holy Spirit. He'll tell you exactly what to do. He'll give you that green light. He'll give you peace about it. It could be a very hard decision. It could be that. Very difficult decision. But you find the Holy Spirit's heart, and you'll make the right one. So, Father, for people that are making decisions about their life, about their future. Maybe, maybe it's not even something difficult. Maybe you're thinking about buying a house. Bring the Holy Spirit to every decision you make. Pray about everything. Don't, don't just say, well, I think this is what I should do. Pray about it. And be sensitive, because sometimes he'll say something you don't want to hear. Maybe he says, don't do it. And you just have to say, okay, sir, I trust you. I trust you. So, Father, this morning we believe miracles, signs, and wonders are going through this building. And I thank you for the body, and I thank you for this body, and I call them blessed in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to ask you one thing before you clap, because I do want you to clap. As you believe, you receive. Say, I believe, I receive. Amen. Now give the Lord praise this morning. Glory to God. All right. Woo! You may be seated. God bless you. I want to, um, before we pick up this morning's offering, I want to share a couple things. And then we'll, we're, like I said, I'm trying to squeeze the service a little bit so we can get out. And I, wanna, I do want to hang out with you guys. Everyone's invited if you're a dad. Just move, you know, not even if you're not a dad, everyone's invited. Go to the youth center and let's hang out. But it's, we are honoring the dads. So I got a text that I've been waiting for for eight months. <laughs> um, and it's just one of those things. But um, my brother, Elson Bennett, is coming. Woo, finally. You know, it's been a while since we, yeah, give him praise. If you're watching Elson, look, that's for you, brother. <laughs> And he will be here August, Sunday, August the 1st, August 1st. But the one that's coming up really quick, another one of my buddies and man, what a man of God and his wife and, and they go, you know, 
And they're different because they're from New York. They cut them some slack. And it's just amazing how God will pick a couple from New York and join them up with some Mexican-American from South Texas. Not even from South Texas. I'm not sure where I'm from, but I'm from somewhere. That's only God does stuff like that. Imagine New York City and Hebronville. You know what, you know what we say that in Spanish? Not que ver. <laughs> Not que ver. But that's what God does. Well, they're coming the weekend of July 9th. And I do want to invite you guys. So Dan and his wife will be here. But what we are doing Sunday at 2 p.m. in Laredo, and this is only for Laredo, but if you, want it, if you need it, you go to that service. So it's only one church, by, guys, by the way. Remember this. Faithway is one church in various locations. We're not different churches. So Pastor Annie, his wife, as you know, she has a very powerful healing ministry. We're having a healing service that Sunday at 2 p.m. in Laredo. That a Pastor Dan will be here on the, on the Sunday morning. And we're still seeing if we can, I might have something with our leadership and so forth. But anyhow, we have July, which is usually kind of a huh-huh month, you know, where everybody's out and traveling. And I know if people are on vacation, I get it. But if you're in town, make sure you schedule those two. Um, the July 9th weekend and then the 1st of, of August are going to be very, very powerful, powerful services. Amen? All right. Well, said that, you know, the other thing I just wanted to mention briefly is, um, you know, summer. Now, God is our source. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But summer is a time where everybody's on, on their vacation and they got plans and they got expenses. Just don't forget about the house of God. Amen? Just do what you know you're supposed to do before the eyes of God. As, as I tell everybody, and I oversay it, but I always say things for the, for the sake of people that maybe haven't heard it. One thing I can promise you about Faithway, and I think I've kept my promise through all these years. H would probably be the one that say, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. You will not have a high-pressure offering in this church. I will not permit that. And I've had people that tried, even they weren't, and I'd say, no, we're not going there. Because, off, you know, giving is worship. And your giving really should reflect what God has done for you. Now, he has foundations. I believe in the tithe. I just believe. And I was raised that way, and I believe it's in the Bible. You know, some people struggle with it. I get it. But, you know, at the end of the day, you will get there. You, you should at least have that as a goal. And maybe you can train yourself by saying, you know, I, 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 this 10%, you know, it's, it's hard. Well, why, why don't you start with something? Pick a percentage. Pick 1%, 2%, 3%. Just pick one. And say, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be consistent on this 2%. Or I'm going to be consistent on a 5%. I believe that God's grace is so amazing that he'll show to you that this stuff works. Because let me tell you, tithe for us, at least for my family, that's just the entry. <laughs> tithe is like, okay, we got 10%. We give and give and give beyond tithe. That's the way we live. You know, we're just, you know, God has done this for years. And we're not going to change the way we live. But all, at the same time, God gives you the blessing because of that obedience. You don't give to get. Don't ever go into that weird place. You know, well, I'm going to give God $100 if he gives me 1000 Are you kidding me? Are you serious? I know it's out there. I know it's on the radio and it's on the TV. But that's not the way God does things. Worship, that's all it is. Because your money, in the eyes of God, represent a little part of your life. You think God's broke? Amen? I don't know about you, but the God I serve is not broke. Well, so what is this money thing? It's God understanding. Another thing that giving and tithing do for you in your own personal life, it's, it's a faith thing. It's to say, I can trust God. You know, you might be looking at a huge mountain of bills and you say, man, if I take 10%, I might not get through this week. And that's a, that's, that really is the area where you say, are you willing to get out of the boat? Can we walk on water today? You know, because it, it, and, and God, it, 
That's really where faith and stuff. So it's not about you give money and God gives it back. It really is about your heart and your attitude towards it. So I encourage you, you know, learn these things, learn them quickly, and you'll have a, you know, you, you'll set your life up for success. You really will. You, you know, I have not met a tither that's broke. Never. Now, do tithers go through stuff? Oh, yeah, we go through stuff. But we get through it. I, I've, been times, I, I've been to God sometimes. I know H and I have had this conversation where today would be nice one-to-one, Lord. You know, it's like, you know, he promises 30, 60, and 100. But sometimes I'm like, just, just match me one-to-one. I'll be good, you know. Because, you know, over the years, we've sown thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, you know, personally. And even as a church, this church has sown thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars all over the place. So I encourage you, you know, do that. You know, be encouraged, of course, if Cuba's on your heart. We haven't sent money in a couple weeks because there hasn't been a lot in there. But if that's something, you know, you want to keep supporting our, our outreach to Cuba, that's an ongoing thing. And again, those of you that do it, thank you so much. And thank you for your offerings. Like I said, your, your money does not just stay here. We, we, we still pay about half the rent in Mexico, and we're continually giving towards Cuba. Amen? There's an envelope next to you, and online instructions are right there. You do what you need to do. Go ahead and stand, and I'll get you out of here so we can have some lunch before I have to run to the next service. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, sir, for this service. We thank you, Lord, for everything that's been covered. And, Father, we do thank you for the privilege to be a tither and a giver. We sow into the kingdom, Father. And it's not that we don't, we know, yes, we expect a return because you said there's a return, but we're not doing it for that. We thank you, Lord, because our giving and our tithe is really tied into our whole life. And if we want God on our whole life, Lord, we need to tie in our finances because that is part of our life. So I just thank you, Lord. And right now, again, for anyone that is struggling financially, for anyone that that has a bill that has not been met, Lord, I'm asking you as a favor to me, do a miracle this week in their life, God where there will be no doubt about it that you were the one that made that happen. I call everyone here blessed till I see him again. And Father, let this week be...